0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Greater Good, a series of conversations on policies that matter for our future with leaders from government, business, and academia. I'm Jared Ball, Chief Economist at CEDA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. Before we get started, I'd like to take a few seconds for you to rate and subscribe to our podcast. This means you can get new episodes in your phone as soon as they go live, and rating our show helps others find it too. So thanks for that. 2020 has been a difficult year for people experiencing homelessness. Without a permanent address, self-isolating to limit the risk of contracting COVID-19 has been much more difficult. On top of this, the COVID-19-induced recession has further limited job opportunities for people living with long-term disadvantage. The big issue is an independent, not-for-profit organisation dedicated to supporting and creating work opportunities for people experiencing homelessness marginalization and disadvantage. No doubt you've seen the magazine of the same name, sold by homeless, marginalized and disadvantaged people around the country. As CEO of The Big Issue, my guest Stephen Person has a unique insight into the challenges of homelessness. Stephen is also chief executive of Home for Homes, a non nonprofit that raises funds for social and affordable housing. Thank you so much for your time Stephen where as we've just been talking about you know we're getting towards the end of the year and I know it's a very busy time for for most people the scramble towards Christmas. Um, I just want to just start off you know there's obviously massive focus from everyone around how COVID-19 has disrupted their businesses and and what they do. How have you and the the big issue adapted to COVID-19? What kind of changes and, and adaptations have you had to make?
1: Um, it's been extraordinary. I mean, one of the, the the front of mind things has been for all of us, people's wellbeing and safety. So, you know, for the first time, we've not only had to train our vendors how to sell the magazine, how to be respectful, how to give change, but we also had to go through a very thorough process of ensuring that their health uh, safety and wellbeing is forefront and indeed the rest of the community. So we've had to extend ourselves laterally to make sure that we're, in, uh, we're making the vendors safe when they've been able to work on the street. It's also been a great, uh, a great example of us as an organization being very nimble. We, we are an, uh, one of those organisations that has had to adapt throughout its 20 or near 25-year history. Um, We've adapted in the digital age, we've adapted with digital payments, we've adapted with street closures, we've adapted to all sorts of different things. And this is another form, albeit one of the most significant we'll ever face, I, I, I think. So... We've, um, we've uh, instituted digital payments more thoroughly and cleaning and the like. We've taken very seriously the government guidelines about when people can and can't sell the magazine. But we've also ensured that our vendors, when they can't sell the magazine, have had access to vendor support funds to make sure that their wellbeing is being looked after when they're not being able to sell on the street. So it's really been quite significant. Our organisation has a great history of being able to adapt and move, and thus we've been able to maintain our currency, as I mentioned, for 25 years. But it has been an extraordinary period.
0: And I guess, you know... uh, the message to all those people listening would also be as you, as you get back into the CBD and you, you run into vendors, um, make sure that you pick up pick up a copy of the, the magazine in the you know, hard copy form, um, be one of those kind of nice, nice things of going back to, back to some kind of normal um, towards the end of this year <laughs> and early next year.
1: It has been extraordinary, you know foot traffic, as we know, is down something forty percent plus around uh, different states in australia, and um, you know we have noticed that acutely, and so you know, we we rely on foot traffic, we rely on people walking past our regular vendors who are brave enough to go out and work uh, and and uh, work their way out of poverty. And so we rely on the general public's support to buy what is a quality quality magazine. So 40% down, less traffic. It's one of those things uh, I think many businesses are facing, are facing, and we truly regard ourselves as a business. Uh, we get some, um, uh, some donations, we get some uh, government support, but really we are a business and we rely on our trade on the street corner. Uh, We are a printing business, uh, we are a publisher, and our vendors proudly sell. So with a 40% downturn in the availability of people to purchase the magazine, you know, we really are reliant on those people's um, goodwill, good energy, and real commitment to long-term change, and assisting those people out of poverty to continue to buy the magazine, and I'm proud and pleased to report how sales have not rebounded to where they were, but they're certainly on the rise. Uh, people really do accept that those uh, our vendors are working their way out of their circumstance.
0: Well, that's that's good to hear, and hopefully people will um, will get back out and um, and uh, put their put their money where their mouth is in um, in buying uh, the big issue obviously the other side of this is the extent to which covid-19 has affected people facing housing housing insecurity and and perhaps it has put this into the spotlight more so um than it is in any other year yeah um what from your perspective what has been the impact for people um facing housing insecurity has this been a, a positive or a, or a negative in terms of entrenching some of that insecurity this year
1: um I think it's it's it it has actually thrown up the challenge and it's been one that's been bubbling in the in the background so on one hand it is is actually sort of uh drawn what is a really societal issue to the top and that in some ways can be seen as uh, a, as a good thing. It's hard to say it's ever a good thing when we see someone homeless and who doesn't have a home. But in terms of crystallising the issue, in terms of making sure it's at the forefront of people's thinking, uh, I want to find a positive in that. And I guess in some ways there's two main things that we at The Big Issue and our our sister organisation, Homes for Homes, have been concentrating on for a number of years. And we believe that there are two main things that take people out of poverty. Uh, For us, um, homelessness largely, not entirely, but largely is just a symptom of poverty. And there's two main things that for the majority of people that we can assist them with. And we've been doing that at The Big Issue by assisting people to be less poor, to work their way out of their circumstance as i've mentioned now for a number of years and the other one is that putting a roof over people's heads uh, takes people out of poverty it gives people a platform to actually re-engage with the general community and so the housing issue i think is forefront um, and we've just seen recently the Victorian government making a significant contribution towards the issue of social housing. And that's, that, that is is truly to, to be noted. Let me also say quickly that that is just 10% of the issue in Victoria. And for, for every year that we don't address it, the problem and the gap gets bigger. Um, and it costs taxpayers uh, an enormous amount of money to keep people on the street. And so we think that we've got to now focus on the cures of this. Of course, we need to make sure people are fed and clothed, have blankets and warm and somewhere safe to go and needs when people are actually in those crisis circumstance but the real thing that is crystallised for us here at the big issue in homes for homes, and I think in society generally, is that we've got to start thinking about the long term fix.
0: Really, really good point there, and I'll come back to um, the Victorian announcement and and uh, a few issues out of that. I guess the, you know, you're absolutely right about the long term fix. I guess in the immediate term, we face a number of challenges, including the fact that a lot of the um, special assistance that we've had during COVID-19, mm. including um, a much higher rate of job seeker mm-hmm. benefit, is now being wound back. Mm. How concerned are you about about a rise in homelessness um, once once the job seeker benefit is, is wound well and truly back? Uh,
1: uh, I think it's just going to be something that all business, uh, all mums and dads, all people in society, all people in jobs are facing. You know, come March next year, uh, you know, I think that the uh, governments in general across Australia have done a really fine job of trying to navigate this once in a hundred year circumstance. But uh, the real test is going to be for us as a society of how we come out of it. Um, You know, there are businesses who aren't going to employ people beyond JobKeeper, there are going to be circumstances where people find that they can't pay the rent there are circumstances and all of those things that we've had moratoriums over loans rent and additional income are going to stop and I think there's all sorts of seeding going on all sorts of uh, uh, work uh, that's actually uh, attempted to be done but you know I do think we are we, we are walking towards a very steep cliff. Um, And I hope we're walking towards it and we can see it in front of us and we start to navigate our way um, around it. Uh, But it is something that we are facing. And so we're already seeing a a rise in people in those dire circumstances. And I don't think that's going to soften over the next couple of years, uh, which is why I think I'll come back to that we've got to not only look after those people directly on a day-to-day basis in need. And we've done a pretty good job of that in Australia. You know, uh, of course we could do better, but we really have to turn our attention to these long-term solutions.
0: And I guess, you know, picking up on, on one of those groups that's um, been particularly affected during this crisis and, and disproportionately affected, um, it's been women, And we've seen a concerning rise in in rates of imprisonment among women over the past few years. Um, What factors do you think we need to consider in particular when addressing disadvantage among women?
1: Um, I've got to be really careful because I'm not an expert on those circumstances. What I think that there are a great number of people with great deal of expertise that can actually deal with those day-to-day circumstances. What I think we can uh, provide here at The Big Issue in Homes for Homes and and more in general across uh, and bring others to assist is actually assisting people to have a home. You know, the issues around domestic violence are one of the greatest, if not the greatest cause cause of homelessness. Um, And if people had a safe, secure place, people, women and children, had a safe, secure place to call home, uh, I think that we would automatically see an enormous reduction in the need. Um, And so if we can deal with what's occurring and give people real, long-term, sustainable, healthy, vibrant solutions, um, a great many of those women I'm told by people who know a lot more about it than I do, uh, a great deal of those women, you know, they may not need case management, they may not need budget support, they may not need dietary information. They just need to have a safe, secure place to raise their children, uh, and indeed for themselves to be safe. So if we start from these premises, we start from these foundation issues. And you're right, there's been an enormous increase. And I think we'll see that increase, increase. Um, and we'll not only see it uh, uh, across, you know, uh, women with children, but we'll also see it with older women who are falling into poverty as we speak.
0: So let's let's get into some of those solutions, um, longer term solutions that you're talking about. And I really, really appreciate the fact that... Um... You're not professing necessarily to be uh, an expert on, on that particular area of women. And, you know, the problem in my profession of economists is that um, we often decide to weigh into issues that we aren't necessarily well equipped. Yeah. Um, so re- really respect that, Stephen. Um, just thinking about some of the solutions in terms of what we've seen um, from COVID responses to homelessness in various states. Mm um are there particular lessons that we've seen from any any state in getting people into shelter which then transfer into some of the longer term things that we need to need to look at
1: i think some states are looking at a number of different options and we've got to be careful to say yeah uh, we've got to be uh, forever careful just to say ah it's this model that works Um, what we have to develop is a suite of things, uh, a suite of things that actually resonate with individuals at the time and a suite of programs and supports and the like that are there when people are ready to take them up. So we've seen the introduction of things like uh, wet hostels where people who may have issues of substance abuse can actually go there even though they may be uh, they they may not be sober and they can, be, uh, they can have a, con- a conversation and work with workers uh, in those circumstances rather than the expectation that we put people on the street when they're not sober and when they're well enough to come into a property, that's when they're allowed in. Now, that's very complicated. The people who deal with that are amazingly skilled. But at the, at the backbone of this, and it's something that is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention perhaps more than once, is that we've got to come back to the foundational issues. Um, it's all very well to say to people, well, come and get support when you're ready, or we have these these facilities. In fact, when we don't have these facilities, we have to build more properties, and once we find in a number of instances and in a number of places that once we house people, it's only then we can see what their true needs are, rather than assuming that on the street that we can understand their full gambit of needs, of course, putting food and blankets and their immediate security and health and well-being as forefront. But once we've established that, when we, if we house people, then we can see what they truly need in terms of other support, uh, in terms of other supports. And sometimes it's incredibly complex, but equally sometimes it's not. Sometimes the the, the actual provision of a house, the actual provision of security, the actual, uh, those things of having a shower and being able to make a cup of tea is in some cases what people need. So, In many instances, I think historically, we have made it very complex, and I think what we're looking at now is actually trying to figure out where the taxpayer dollars should go and where they'll have the the best effect, and I I think it's that lesson that we're starting to learn.
0: All right. Well, let's, let's get into this issue of, of more properties and, and building the homes and, and starting with um, you and the big issue. You've, you've been leading uh, an initiative called Homes for Homes that aims to raise funds for social and affordable housing. Tell us, tell us a little bit about how this works and I guess where, where you are on the, on the journey of this initiative so
1: um, far. You know, we've been on the journey now for 10 years. We've gone into, it, into a very, very thorough way and making sure that we had proof of concept and we made sure we had all the operational things in place. But as you just beautifully put it, at the core of the issue is that we need to build more properties. And if we do that, then there'll be a far greater impact than we've ever seen. So behind the ability to build more products is simply we need more funds to build more products. So when we looked at the issue about how we can take people out of poverty, we were drawn to the fact of housing. And then when we looked at why, can't, why, isn't, there, uh, why isn't there enough housing being produced, we looked at the core issue because there's not enough funds. So we found this model overseas. Uh, It came from the now largest private residential developer in the United States, Lennar, who developed this model 16 years ago. And it's a very simple model. Uh, uh, Those of us who are fortunate enough to own a property, um, we now provide the voluntary opportunity to make a contribution of one-tenth of one percent of a sale price $500,000, $500 donation, which, by the way, is also tax deductible. And that donation is made through a beautifully elegant mechanism which involves the banks and all sorts of significant players who have signed on. We accumulate those funds and we disperse those funds out to those community housing associations who are doing fabulous work. So this is potentially the the largest fundraising exercise ever to be attempted, maybe in Australia and perhaps in some uh, around the world. And it's got an absolute clarity of purpose to provide more social housing, taking more people off the street and giving more people a pathway out of poverty. Um, The problem is massive. Uh, The problem is too big for any one government or governments or one organisations or organisations even together. So what we've done is built a platform where all governments, all organisations, all developers and every Australian can make a contribution should they choose to. And it's working. Um, You know, we are on track over 30 years to raise well over $1 billion. But it's a slow process. The 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 housing issue has been challenged here in Australia for 50 years or more. So this is not a silver bullet. This is this is us as an organisation and organisations looking at this as a long-term, uh, forevermore solution. And as I said, it's in place and it's working. And it,
0: it as you say, it's it sounds. Very elegant, and um, you know, I, I think most people certainly, when I first heard about it, found it quite compelling in terms of how I would think about when you're buying a home. You know, a bigger a bigger contribution that you can make to society at the same time for a relatively small kind of cost. Um, is there a website or somewhere that people should go if they're interested in, in looking into this further, Stephen, and, and doing absolutely, it
1: people can go for homes for homes um, uh, .org. And they'll find us there, and people can register their property. And the more Australians who do register the, their property and make this uh, really small contribution when they sell—not when they buy, when they sell their property—we um, can we can make a, for, a lasting and forever difference. And if we all do it, we can not only sort of make a bit of a dent. We, we, you know, we've got a real chance of fixing this problem. And so we have the great pleasure. Of just being the sort of centerpiece that, uh, that, uh, that organisations relate to and individuals relate to. We hold those fun- funds and we've got some of Australia's business elite and community uh, uh, elite who are assisting us managing those funds and making sure they go to where the greatest need is. It's extraordinary the amount of interest there is and um, extraordinary the amount of interest there is in actually fixing this problem.
0: All right, homesforhomes.org, um, get, get onto it. Um, the, other, the other comment you made there in talking about Homes for Homes was that the government can't do this all on their own. Having said that, we have seen some encouraging investments like the $5.3 billion that the Victorian government has invested into social housing. Um, do governments need to do more? on this front at the same time that they can't do it all, do they need to do more on the social housing front, um, which also helps, I guess, with others who are doing some hard yards on the kind of, Affordable housing um,
1: front. I think there's always going to be a call for governments to do more and there's always going to be a call for governments to do more across a whole range of topics. And, you know, this is a topic that's really d- near and dear to, to our heart here. And we think that's just the, the economics of it is uh, just uh, absolutely clear that there, there is so much economic benefit to be gained by building social housing in the first instance, and the long-term benefit of taking people out of poverty. So of course my answer is yes, governments can, and and I'm hoping we'll do more. But equally, we have to recognise that there are limitations. Uh, and the Homes for Homes has a, is a platform that it, it's that whilst governments can contribute into Homes for Homes, and I can touch upon a few ways that that's already occurring. This is really allowing all of us to make, to make a decision, active decision on a day-to-day basis to make a difference. So already we're seeing governments at a federal and state level and we needed seed funding to get us up and going. Uh, to, you know, and so they've made a contribution towards that. We've already seen uh, governments uh, leaning at, uh, and directing planning opportunities to be inclusive of homes for homes. You know, I can mention... One local council, uh, Bayside Council here in Victoria, who have decreed that uh, new developments of a certain size should include homes for homes in their planning application. Uh, we've talked about more. Uh, we're talking with Morling Council who are including it in their design card. We look at WA where WA development are encouraging those tenders uh, that tender for land to include Homes for Homes, and they'll get a positive weighting. Not mandatory, because this is a voluntary uh, proposition. We're talking with Victoria, South Australian, ACT about waiving of fees to put the mechanism on. So governments are actually playing a role, and they're uh, not only directly providing housing, but there's ways that they can help us build this thing, build Homes for Homes, to actually realise so much more than the um, uh, $1 billion that I mentioned.
0: So, Stephen, if you've ever listened to any of my podcasts before, I always try and end on a positive note. But in actual fact, most of this has been pretty, pretty positive. And I think it says a lot about the work that you do at the big issue and initiatives like Homes for Homes. But I guess a, a broader question just about, What are some of the social enterprises around the place that really excite you and and that you think can make a difference um, in the community and and people's lives Um, for the better?
1: It's those organisations, and I'm always very careful not to sort of uh, point to one or another. It's those organisations that have a true investment in sustainability in their model, which may have some government and maybe have some um, charitable income, but those who are working in a business model on a truly sustainable basis, and those organisations who are then prepared to measure themselves on the return on investment, to actually look themselves critically in the eye. We just ran a competition here at the Big Issue the other day called The Big Idea, where we had four or five new social enterprise being awarded prizes out of the four or five hundred Uh, 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 four or five hundred uh, 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 organisations that actually applied or students that actually applied for the award. And out of those four or five, I suspect all four or five will get up because they've actually structured themselves really soundly on the basis of sustainability, measuring themselves on the return on investment and have a great clarity of purpose. So uh, rather than one, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just an absolute enthusiast of the field in general, and it's really shifting, and it's really, it's it's really becoming a force of nature.
0: Well, I think that's that's very encouraging, and I think very kind of good advice there on any any budding social entrepreneurs there in terms of making sure that you get the focus right and and have absolute clarity about that. Um, Stephen Person, CEO of The Big Issue in Homes for Homes, it's just been a fascinating conversation and I think some really encouraging uh, signs there in terms of things that we can all do to help contribute to this this issue of homelessness. Thanks so much for joining us in the mad race to the end of <laughs> Thanks 2020. Thanks so much
1: for the opportunity. Take care.